Welcome to Wellness Your Way. I'm your host, Megan Lyons, and I've helped thousands of people find their own way to wellness. Wellness Your Way is an extension of that work, aimed to help you find your unique path to feeling your very best. Each week, we'll go through tactical strategies you can use to improve your health, happiness, and quality of life. So grab a mug of tea or lace up your walking shoes. We're about to dive in. Hello, my friends. I hope you like efficiency because I'm about to dilute what I've learned from 8,000 hours of one-to-one coaching into just 15 minutes. That's right. I'm going to share 14 of the biggest lessons I've learned from coaching thousands of people to you right here in this podcast. It's a really powerful set of lessons, and I'm learning them continuously myself. I'm excited to hear which ones apply to you. I will also cover a study showing a new benefit of chocolate, share a chocolate and snack company I've been loving, and then I'll answer listener Q&A on liquid collagen and how much dairy to eat. Here we go. It's time for health news you can use, and with only 90 people in this study, it's not the largest or most robust study that I've ever seen. But honestly, I won't pass up any opportunity to share the benefits of chocolate, so this one tops my list today. The study I'll tell you about is from the University of Birmingham, and it was published in the journal Nutrients in March 2021. The researchers studied 90 healthy adults, and they gave them an eight-minute stress-inducing task, so a really stressful eight minutes. Uh, Some of them got a cocoa beverage before the task, and cocoa comes from chocolate, is rich in flavanols, or cocoa comes from cacao, uh, the same root of chocolate, which is rich in flavanols, and these are the component that they were targeting for the study, the flavanols. So they showed that those who got the cocoa beverage before the stressful task had less blood vessel constriction during this stressful period. This is really important because stress often constricts our blood blood vessels, which makes blood flow less effective. It raises our blood pressure. It increases the risk of cardiovascular events, even stroke, things like that. And if something as delicious as chocolate is going to reduce that risk, I am all about it. There are, of course, other foods high in flavanols, including apples and grapes and blackberries, cherries, raspberries, pears. Pulses, which are uh, like legumes, like beans, and green tea as well is rich in flavanols. So there are several options if for some reason you don't like chocolate. Uh, But overall, this is great news and yet another reason why I'm going to continue enjoying my high-quality dark chocolate in moderation. I just do feel the need to say two things here. First, quality counts. So I am highly confident, in fact, I'm 100% sure, that they were not giving these study participants, you know, malted milk balls or, or Snickers or something like that. So quality does count. It's really the flavanols we're after and not the sugar, et cetera. And second, this is not a surefire way to protect yourself from the detrimental effects of stress. Of course, Um, you all know that, but I just feel the need to clarify. There is proven benefit, and that's what the study is all about, and any benefit does help, but managing your stress healthily and taking care of yourself overall is still the way to go. 
just enjoy a little bit of chocolate alongside that. Speaking of chocolate, today's Megan Recommends product is really a brand. It's Hue Kitchen brand. Hue Kitchen, H-U Kitchen, makes chocolate, crackers, and cookies, and they're all paleo, dairy-free, gluten-free, organic, mostly vegan, and they are good. I started with the Hue Kitchen chocolate. My favorite is the salty dark chocolate, which I will link in the show notes, but I've expanded to their crackers. I really like their everything crackers. Um, They are grain-free, so they won't spike your blood sugar as much as even like a grain-based gluten-free cracker. Uh, These are much more stabilizing. They have healthy ingredients like flax and chia for extra nutrient boosts, and I've tried the cookies as well, which are also great. So whether you have dietary requirements or you're just looking for a healthier, more stabilizing, more nutrient-packed option, I highly recommend trying Hue Kitchen. I am linking to the Amazon page in the show notes, but I find Hue Kitchen at Kroger, at Whole Foods, at many other local stores, so keep your eyes open for it in your area. It's time for the veggies of the matter, and I'm really excited about this one. It is an episode that was inspired by a Wellness Your Way listener, so thank you, Erin. She wanted to know the top things your health coach wants you to know. And so over the past seven years of business at the Lion's Share Wellness, I have completed over 8,000 hours of one-to-one coaching, which kind of blows my mind. That's 8,000 hours of sitting face-to-face or Zoom-to-Zoom with a person who is sharing their struggles and their insecurities and their goals and their aspirations. And I have just learned so much. Every person, of course, has unique goals and unique story. Um, And so I'm not saying that every single person learns these exact lessons, But honestly, there are strong common threads. These are things that I've said over and over and over thousands of times, and it never gets boring for me to teach them because honestly, I'm continuously learning many of them myself right alongside my clients. These are lifelong principles that will help you out no matter where you are on your health journey. If you're just starting, if you're contemplating starting a health journey, or if you've been looking to be healthy, looking to be your best self for many, many years or decades. Here we go with my top lessons from 8,000 hours of coaching. The first one is, if it's too fast, it won't last. So we've all been tempted by pictures on Instagram of someone losing 50 pounds or two months or taking this magic pill that led to all their answers or something flashy and fast like that. And even if we know better, those are still eye-catching. But if your results come too fast, they are unlikely to last. First of all, when it comes to weight loss, if we lose weight more quickly, we're more likely to lose muscle, not just fat, which most of us don't want and isn't healthy over the long term. But more importantly, if you haven't had time to focus on behavior change, then you're going to lose the weight or fix your digestion or do whatever you want. And your behaviors will come right back as soon as you feel like you've reached your goal. So that long-term focus on behavior change is absolutely critical. Slow, steady, sustainable change. It might not be as initially appealing, but when you do it this way, you'll only have to do it once. 
The behaviors you learn are going to sustain you for the rest of your life. Just have patience with yourself. Your struggles didn't develop overnight. They won't disappear overnight either. But if you're in this for lasting success and you have patience with the process, you can find freedom from those struggles for good. That's good news. So lesson number two is your own worst enemy often lives right between your ears. The vast majority of people that I work with already know a lot about health, but there's a big difference between knowing and doing. And one of the main reasons we self-sabotage is that we're driven by that negative voice in our heads. I have so many strategies that I use with clients to improve their self-talk, but in the show notes, I am going to link to one blog post in particular. I'm also going to link to a book, Good Morning, I Love You, that is super effective in helping you change negative self-talk. And then you can go back and listen to the podcast episode that's titled, Let's Talk About Automatic Negative Thoughts to Start Changing Some of That. The third lesson, the sexiest answer isn't always the right one. So when it comes to nutrition, like I've said, people get attracted to that trendy, that sexy option, but it's rarely the right choice. We have a $60 billion nutrition industry for a reason, because these diets don't last. So in the moment, it can be really tempting to think, well, this time the scientists have found it. This is actually the answer. All those fad diets in the past were wrong, but this one is right. It's tempting to think that. I mean, let's face it, my dad bought pallets of grapefruit juice from Costco when I was a a teenager or maybe younger than that, and he would drink it before each meal. Now, that didn't last. We all overconsume snack wells. We've talked about that in the fat, healthy fat episode. That didn't last. These things are not the long-term answer. When it comes to nutrition, the basic answer, the long-term answer is pretty simple. It's all about more veggies, more water, less sugar, less processed food. And of course, there are some intricacies and and details, complexities for each person, but the basic premises have been proven over and over and over again. So I encourage you, now is the time to pick that partner, partner in quotes, I'm using an analogy here, the one that will treat you right, that will respect you, that will make you feel good. Don't just go for that attractive one-night stand that you know will never last. That one night stand is that new fad diet. The long-term, stable, sustainable partner that will treat you right, those are the tried and true basic balanced principles of healthy eating. Those are the right answer. The fourth tip here is that nutrition is far more important than exercise for your results. Now, let me first say exercise is amazing and I do my best to incorporate it every single day. There are so many benefits for stress relief and sleep and quality of life, heart health, so much more. But when it comes to the results that most of us want to achieve, mastering nutrition is far more important. The number of times that someone has said to me, like, oh yeah, I ate several extra cookies, but I was at the gym for 45 minutes or something like that is a lot. And it's very tempting to think we can just quote, burn off those extra calories, but it's not so simple. The less healthy food leads to more cravings. It leads to an insulin spike, which makes our body more primed to store fat. It makes us feel more sluggish, which leads us to crave more food. There are 
tons of other impacts of um, nutrition aside from just the calories. And it's really, really difficult for us to out-exercise extra calories that we eat in the first place. So when it comes to choosing just one, if you're concerned with your long-term results, your body composition, the way that you want to feel, master your nutrition first and then add on exercise. Next tip is when you act the way you want to feel, your actions become easier and more effective. So research shows that when we can visualize the person we want to become and really connect to that identity, that future healthy self, who we want to become, we are far more likely to achieve those results that we want. So if you just think about what does that future version of yourself look like? What does she wear? How does she exercise? What does she eat for lunch? How does she feel when she wakes up for the day? Think about those details and then act how she would act in your current situation. It really makes decision-making much easier. If you can tap into how you want to feel, the future version of yourself, your gut will know the answer. And those actions that that future version of yourself will take are the right actions to take today to help you get to that future version. Next tip, lesson number six, healthy eating is not a punishment. No one is forcing you to eat broccoli. You're not getting a slap on the wrist if you eat french fries instead. It is not something you're being punished by. But the way we talk about it when we say, I have to order the salmon and asparagus or I can't eat cookies, all of these words, they make healthy eating feel like a punishment. It's human nature to rebel against restriction or punishment. So you're far better off if you tell yourself you're proud that you're choosing the healthy option or you're prioritizing what makes you feel best or something like that, not I have to, I can't, this stinks, all of those words that we use. Healthy eating is not a punishment. Lesson number seven, you are only lying to yourself. Most of my clients don't count calories or track every single thing they eat or weigh their food or follow rules or things like that, but I do often have clients take pictures of their dinner or tell me how many snacks they had or something like that, and when I do, sometimes they let things slip away from me, and they're not lying to me. They're only lying to themselves. Same thing applies if you're journaling your food or you're using a tracking app or anything else and you don't include the whole story, you're not being honest with yourself and that's only detrimental to you. Then what happens? You might get frustrated because the app tells you you should be experiencing this result or this percent body fat or whatever and you're not there. Well, that's because you weren't accurate. You might be more frustrated than you need to be and even worse, you're perpetuating that mentality that ooh, these treats are bad. I'm using the word bad in quotes. We'll get to that. Or eating this food should make me feel guilty, so I'm going to hide it. These mental detriments are huge. So if you're tracking anything at all, be honest with yourself. Eighth lesson is you know your body best. Now, let me just be honest. I have a lot of uh, education in nutrition. I have a master's in holistic nutrition. I am board certified in holistic nutrition. I have a health coaching cert certificate. I have several other credentials. So I know a lot about nutrition. I've read a lot of textbooks, but I have never read a textbook on your body. You are the expert in your own body. 
So if I say something or Dr. Google says something or your human doctor or your friend or anyone makes a recommendation that doesn't feel right in your body, trust yourself. You know your body best. Lesson number nine is that it's all connected. Even if your goal is just weight loss or feeling more energized or something like that, your body's giving you so many signals. And even if they seem unrelated, they do matter. I always hear like months or weeks after working with someone, oh yeah, like I'm constipated every day, or I have this terrible energy slump in the afternoon or something that could have been a really great key to what we are working on. Your body is one complete system. It's all connected and the hormonal and other clues that we're getting from any symptoms really helps paint the whole picture. So if something feels off, pay attention. It's all connected. Lesson number 10 is that celebrations are not trite. They amplify success. So here I'm going to give you a little analogy that feels a little off the beaten path, but go with me. I think you'll you'll get the message here. Let's imagine that a child is making his mother breakfast in bed, and he's making eggs and fruit and coffee, and he's working so hard. She can hear him cluttering her way down there in the kitchen, and she's worried that he's using the knife, and it's taking like three hours, so she has to stay in bed and all of this stuff. But he's working super hard, and he carries it up to her, and he ends up just spilling a few drops of coffee on the white carpet. Now, I am sure it's tempting for the mother to get upset, get frustrated by the spill, maybe even scream at the child in frustration. But if that happens, then what happens to the child? The child beats himself up. The child doesn't feel motivated to help out again. He feels like a failure. Even though he tried so hard for something and he made this delicious breakfast, he had a great result, but he ends up feeling like a failure. If instead the mother just bites her tongue and celebrates the child child's efforts and enjoys her breakfast and then goes and cleans up the spill later, that child is beaming. That child is so happy and proud and wants to help out more and will get better and better at carrying the tray as he practices so there won't be spills in the future. And this is what we're going for. It might seem like a silly analogy, but our brains work the same way as that child's. So even if you have to bite your tongue to overlook a little error that you made, encourage yourself to focus on celebrating those successes first. Celebrate your successes and then go clean up the spill later. Your brain associates the behavior you're celebrating with this rush of positive feel-good chemicals that it gets like dopamine, serotonin, other neurotransmitters, and that makes you want to do the healthy behavior more, which will increase your likelihood of success. So celebrate everything. Be your own cheerleader. Those successes will start to pile up when you do. Lesson number 11 is that hating yourself into action only works for a little while. Let's be honest. Many of us have had a weekend of overeating or something like that, and then we try to quote, punish ourselves by eating really strictly afterwards. We might say, okay, this week I'm going to be perfect. Perfect is a word that gives me the heebie-jeebies, but this might be something we say to ourselves. And you're getting mad at yourself. You're punishing. You're hating yourself into action. And it might work. That next day, that Monday, you might eat really healthily. You might even eat really healthily for a whole week. But over the long term, if your actions are driven by hate for yourself or punishment, 
you will rebel and you will lose focus and you will spiral into mental negativity that your life is just better without. The only way to lasting change is to set goals that are driven by compassion for yourself, that you believe you can achieve, that you trust that you'll feel better when you do achieve. These are the goals that stick over the long term. Lesson number 12 is that good and bad should never be used with food. So even though we don't really mean that I'm a good person for eating a salad or I'm a bad person for having a Snickers or whatever, our brain hears that connotation and it starts that vicious cycle of negative self-talk. So I like to use words like some decisions are health-promoting or mindful or aligned with your goals and other decisions might just be more for enjoyment or They might be mindless or they might be detracting from your goals or whatever. It's fine to assess these things, but the words good and bad should not go with it. Second to last lesson, moderation is the hardest but the most valuable skill to learn in nutrition. So first, I'll admit, if there's a trigger food that just isn't serving you in any way and you know it's best for you to give it up, then that's fine. I did that probably 10 years ago with my husband's goldfish. It was just too tempting not to take a handful every single time I walked by the pantry. So I just said, no more goldfish. I don't really even like them anyway. My life is not any more sad without goldfish and it's easier not to have to worry about that. So that kind of small little thing that's not detracting from your quality of life, fine. But if you're drawing some rigid lines over broad categories of food or you're being too restrictive, you're you're honestly setting yourself up for a lot of suffering and agony. And sugar for me is a really good example. I don't feel my best when I overconsume sugar. So it does not make sense for me to just go crazy on some sugar and have 18 servings of sugar. I'll feel awful the next day. And that's not worth it to me. Um, that can happen if I tend to, or if I try to be too restrictive and draw a very clear black and white line, I'm going to go all the way to the other side and I'm going to overindulge. So I feel really sad, honestly, when I envision a life where I can't have dessert on vacation or I choose not to mindfully enjoy a square of dark chocolate after a long day or something like that, that's just not a vision that I feel happy about. So even though it might feel easier to draw that hard line, I know in this instance, it is not serving me. I choose to teach myself moderation with sweets. And I find for 99.99999% of my clients, moderation is difficult, but it is the answer that leads them to long-lasting success. Being able to enjoy some things that you love mindfully and balance with other healthy healthy foods, that's a gift to yourself. So try uh, to assess if something is truly depleting from your quality of life, like you have a true addiction or allergy or something like that, then of course. But otherwise, moderation is a skill that will give you freedom and enjoyment and balance over the long term. The last lesson is that your body is on your team. Over and over again, I hear things like, I don't understand why my body won't do this, or I'm trying so hard, it's like my body hates me, or even, ooh, the the worst, I hate my body. I would do anything to change it. 
And I literally have goosebumps right now when I say this to you. Those words tear me at the core. Your body has been with you every second of your life. Your heart has beat millions, if not billions, depending on your age, of times. Your lungs have taken hundreds of thousands of breaths. Your body does not want you to be unhealthy or overweight or in pain. Your body is on your team. It's just dealing with a lot of stuff that you're throwing at it. With unhealthy food and over-exercising or under-exercising and stress and pollution and improper mechanics and, and high heels and you name it, our body's dealing with so much, it's doing its best to fight for you. If you fight against your body continuously, you're just going to spiral deeper and deeper and deeper into this hatred and your physical results will slow as well. I like to just call this energy, like, ooh, I'm putting bad energy out to my body, but there's a scientific reason for it. It activates your amygdala when you uh, feel these negative thoughts towards your body. This puts you into fight or flight mode. It really does make body composition and healthy digestion and things like that just harder. So stop using this harsh language against your body. Recognize that it is on your team. It is doing its best to support you and to fight for your health. It's not working against you. Just think of it like you might have communication issues from time to time. It might not have heard exactly what you're trying to do. It might not have given you the signals that you wanted. But if you keep talking to it lovingly and truly treating it well, you have so much potential to feel better than you even can imagine. I hope you enjoyed these lessons as much as I enjoyed giving them to you. I could go on and on and on and make hundreds of lessons, but I really feel these 14 apply to so many people, and I am anxious to hear which ones resonate with you. Next up, it's time for listener Q&A. The first one comes from Shannon. She says, how much dairy do you recommend for someone who isn't bothered by dairy? Well, first, I recommend knowing for sure that you're not bothered by it. So take it out for two weeks and then intentionally reintroduce it. This is the only way because most of us are consuming one or two servings of dairy every day. So if we just think we're not bothered by it, we don't really know because it's always in our diet, always causing that inflammation. So I really recommend being sure that you're not bothered by it. And I have a blog post all about the side effects and how you might eliminate and things like that that I'll put in the show notes. But if you're really not bothered by it, then the next step is to choose the best quality possible, ideally organic when it comes to dairy if that's feasible for you, and to avoid antibiotics and hormones when possible. And then if you're doing all that, honestly, however much you'd like. It all really depends on your goals for your body composition and, and other goals. But if you're really not bothered by it and you're getting the best quality that is available to you and you can afford, then two to three servings per day is probably fine. Second question uh, honestly comes from several people over the past few weeks. I keep putting this question off because it just feels like uh, I'm bashing a brand. Um, but Mary is the one who asked it this week. And uh, given the influx of questions like this, I am going to address it. She says, I keep seeing Modere. I don't even know, honestly, if I'm saying this right. It's M-O-D-E-R-E, Modere, -E, Mo I'm going to say. I keep seeing Modere collagen on Instagram. Is that 
Is it that much better than the powder that I put in my coffee? The short answer, Mary and others, is no. I have never seen a study, and I've looked, that shows better absorption or utilization of collagen in the liquid form. Their marketing, though, is better. It is on point right now. They're doing such a great job of getting their message out through influencers and social media and things like that. But honestly, hydrolyzed collagen, the powdered version, is even better, in my opinion, because it's easily digested. The amino acids are readily available. You can add it to any kind of liquid. Honestly, I say whatever works for you is great. Collagen is wonderful for hair, skin, and nails, good for your gut lining, things like that. But even that, the powdered version that I take, it's not a magic bullet. So if you don't want to take collagen, then drink some bone broth or get some high-quality protein in other forms. You can be healthy without collagen. I choose to have the powdered collagen. If you want the Modir liquid collagen, go for it, but there's no nothing magic about it. I will put a link in the show notes to my post all about collagen, its benefits, a comparison of different brands, all of that kind of stuff um, will be available for you in the show notes. It's time for your call to action. And my question to you is, or my request of you, is to just examine how you're thinking about your health goals. Is your thought pattern detrimental? Is it beneficial? What could you change? Did you learn anything from my top lessons today that might apply to you? If you did, commit to implementing that and let me know how your experience goes. I'll be cheering you along every step of the way. Thanks for listening to another episode of Wellness Your Way with Megan Lyons. I always love connecting with listeners, so be sure to follow me on social media. And don't forget to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts so you don't miss brand new episodes each week. If you love Wellness Your Way, please leave us a rating and review. I appreciate it so much. Stay well, and I'll be back next week. The Wellness Your Way podcast is provided for information only and should not be misconstrued as medical advice. Please consult with your physician or otherwise qualified practitioner on any matters regarding your health and well-being or on any opinions expressed within this podcast or the LionShare website.